This morning's passage from the 18th chapter of Matthew is a bit of a curious one. To be more precise, we as a people and as the church in the way of a whole spanning across of across Christianity and all of its different representations, we curiously avoid through and especially speaking about that first part of this passage. And then we go about quoting the closing comment to the point of making it trite. It's not really a surprise. Very few people like to talk about discipline or conflict in any way. On the other hand, people love talking about Jesus being with them. These realities can create some challenges in the understanding of our text and how it was intended, and most importantly for us, how it should inform our own faith and practice, and that final part of having the implied value of informing our life in general because our faith should be the guiding point for all aspects of our life. With that in mind, let's turn our attention to the text of Matthew chapter 18, beginning in the 15th verse. Jesus begins, If your brother sins against you. At this point, in today's climate in society, I would suspect that anybody who has checked Facebook or looked at the headlines already today has a reason to claim offense in one or more ways. If your brother, again, this passage is using brother as a collective neutral, so if your brother or sister offends against you. And then we could actually make another small adaptation to the wording while remaining faithful to the text if we were to remove if and replace it with when because it does not take long in life to realize that we will have conflicts with other people, no matter how close they are to us. As a result, we could read it as, when your brother or sister offends you. Now we have a principle upon which the entire rest of the passage is built. When your brother or sister offends you. What are we to do? Jesus says, go and tell him or her the fault, the offense, that breach between the two of you, and do so alone. In other words, go to the person and tell them privately, quietly. Jesus says, if the person listens, you've regained the brother or sister. There's no reason to involve anybody else. There's no reason to speak about the person to somebody else. Handle the matter quietly and privately so that the offense is not made worse by airing the issue publicly. And when you do, you have gained back your brother or your sister, your friend. What if that person doesn't listen? Then Jesus says, then you will need to take either two or three trusted, and I would add discreet, others with you. And again, try to regain your brother or sister, your friend, by explaining the offense and trying to gain an apology or some form of satisfaction. 
the principle remains the same. You're trying to gain an apology in the quietest means possible so that the effects can be reconciled rather than made worse. But what if the person still does not see the error of his or her ways? Then Jesus says, tell it to the entire church. It's only after repeated attempts to quietly resolve a conflict that you ever speak openly about a problem. But if needed, you do indeed speak openly about the problem. Because once the problem is out in the open, the person finally see the offense and apologize. And if not, everybody knows what has happened. It has been clearly spoken from the source and not as a result of gossip. If the person still in these circumstances refuses to repent and apologize, then Jesus says, treat that person as a Gentile or tax collector. A way of saying, treat that person as a pagan. In other words, completely exclude him or her from your life. St. Augustine of Hippo, when preaching on this passage, made a small addition that seems quite fitting. In recognizing that this final step is a matter of treating the offending brother or sister as a pagan, he adds this instruction. Do not consider him now in the number of your brethren, but even so is his salvation not to, is not to be, even so his salvation is not to be neglected. For even the heathen, that is the Gentiles and pagans, we do not consider in the number of our brothers, yet we constantly pray for their salvation. Do not allow the offender in your life to cause more offense, but do pray for the offender that the power of God will change the heart and create repentance within them. What are the results or consequences of following or not this model of reconciliation? Jesus says that we bind on earth is bound in heaven and what we loose or allow on earth is loosed, allowed in heaven. Meaning if we who are the ones offended and being negatively impacted by the events do not correct the wrongs here where we are living through them, why should God just miraculously step in and fix them for us? All of the above is almost never, if ever, exercised in the church, let alone in society as a whole, where the same advice would be fully applicable. Well, why not? Well, Christians, by and large, have this idea that the principal virtue of a Christian is to be nice, and they somehow believe that correcting wrongs is not considered nice. So we avoid doing so. The outcome is all sorts of offenses against people and against the church itself and the congregation, large and small, looking the other way and explaining away abuses. It does not take more than a minute or two of quick internet searching to see multiple stories of the grave abuses that have come to light in different ages throughout the entire spectrum of Christianity, which could have been and should have been stopped through proper intervention. 
And then we get to the end of our passage for today. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Probably one of the most frequently quoted verses, especially among those that gather in small groups that exist in the Bible. Almost exclusively quoted out of context and to promote an idea that the verse is not actually about. We have here in our passage for today a single paragraph on one topic, that being correcting a person who is in error. This closing comment is Jesus' assurance that we are not to worry and not to avoid making correction when it is done according to his word. Go and make the correction. Bring two or three witnesses. For where three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. If we were to read this same passage in a modern paraphrase, if it were written today, it could easily say, go and tell the person what he did to offend you. Bring two or three people with As long as you correct the person the way I have told you to do so, and you have witnesses, I have your back. This is how to maintain good order. And that does not mean quiet, unchallenged rule, but true good order, good relationships, a spirit of brotherhood, the interconnected that the community of faith is supposed to have. And the society of the church should influence the society all around us, be the salt and light to the world around us, just as the Bible says we are to be. We should all take these same principles and apply them in how we are interacting with everyone around us. The Christian should never be the one pouring fuel on the fire by speaking gossip, let alone spewing some of the vitriol we see, especially online and in tweets about other people. There are already plenty of people trying to burn the world down, let Christians set a new set of decorum. Let Christians rise above and establish a standard of decency for all. Let Christians be at the forefront of putting out the fires rather than adding to them. We each have a choice when your brother or your sister offends you. The question is, do we do as the world does and make things Or do we do as Jesus teaches and make things better? Amen.